all the latest news, views and reaction to the A-League, the Socceroos and Australian football. This is 442FM. Welcome, ladies and gents. Um, don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years, putting podcasts in your fine footballing ears. Uh, <laughs> welcome to 442 FM. Um, we're back. The season's kicked off, and with me, I have editor Kevin Ayres. Hello. I have Tim Palmer. Hello. And Cronin, you. Good to be here. How are we all, gents? New season. It's fantastic. Tim? Feeling good. Feeling good. Bit lineage past the cogly will be this morning. So. Ooh. Ooh. Talk about that more later. Quickly moving on, Cronin. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not um, too impressed at the moment by what's been happening lately, so. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, let's get straight into it. The, uh, the first weekend of the Hyundai A League. And, um, and it kicks off with a bang. Friday night game, Victory Wanderers. Um, who would have saw that coming? As we um, appreciated it, and we probably all thought the same. Cronin admitted that he predicted a two-one win, so uh, we'll, we'll get to some more predictions later and see how we go on that. But um, l- let's just dive straight into it. Del Pierre, what a finish! Great clinical. Could have been Del Piero. Yeah, I've done it. I've made the first one, or well, probably not the first. Uh, yeah, I think there was a, there was a flood, a tsunami of Del Piero jokes. On Friday night, um, but it was it was a sensational game to start the season off with. Um, the victory last season, I did actually predict would be finalists. Um, I reckon that they were uh, definitely up there. Uh, they looked so strong at the end of last season, even although they got off to a very rocky start last season. Um, that by the end of it, they were just storming through the A-League they were unlucky to get to the finals um, mm. but uh, I think we're going to see a very very strong season from them this year they've filled in uh, the gaps that they had last season they've enhanced an already very good attack uh, with uh, Borussia and I think you know this really was a statement of intent from them for the season ahead um, it's who's going to be able to stop them to be honest as far as I'm concerned mm. Tim uh, I, I, definitely, one. Like, I definitely agree with that I think a lot of people are getting that the Wanderers made the grand final last year so this is one of the top two teams in the A-League and the Rift went and just blew them off the park uh, of course mm. we've got to take into account this the Asian Champions League and all the changes happened over the off-season but still this was just a phenomenal victory performance to begin the season Yeah, Wanderers were without Topper Stanley away on international duty and their defence had gaping holes well, Yeah, I was just going to talk about that I don't think... Um, you can fully blame, uh, you know, missing top of Stanley and stuff. I don't think it was them to blame. I just think, you know, Melbourne Victory were outstanding. Um, for sure, Western Sydney are in the back. They were, uh, they did miss a few key players, and um, so mm. they had to fill in the gaps. But I think, um, especially with Berisha and how he played, um, he he was just outstanding. Um, Guy Finkling crossed a... Uh, Barbarousas on the left flank they were absolutely tremendous mm. their uh, combination play 1-2 was basically just ripping the whole Wondrous defence apart and you've got to give credit to them, they've done a good job and um, they've built on what Postacoglu did back then when he was with Victory 
Yeah, I think, I mean, Muscat's really found his feet uh, this season. Uh, and of course, uh, you can find out more about Muscat in the new edition of 442 out today. Uh, we've got a big interview with him, and he chats us through his career, his uh, philosophy, and whether or not he's got any regrets over some of those tackles uh, that he put in during his uh, checkered career, shall we say. Uh, so, yeah, get the magazine and uh, find out more about Kevin Muscat in there. Good stuff. And then we'll go on to Mariners Jets, which um, Phil Stubbins came out and said it was a cruel loss, um, uh, but his side will prove people wrong this season. Um, what do you think about that, Tim? Uh, absolutely. I think I have to agree with Stubbins there because Newcastle were the best of probably two poor teams, to be honest. Mm. Uh, this was one of the weaker games of the opening round. Uh, between two sides, a lot of people, I think, have sort of ridden off. But we saw a lot of promising signs from Newcastle in particular that they can uh, prove a few people wrong. I was really impressed by Montano, who didn't do particularly a lot in the scheme of goals and assists. But his hold-up play up front was really impressive, and mm. uh, I expect a lot of big things from him this season, especially because you've got Marcos Flores coming back in, and a lot of promising signs from David Carney as well, pushing forward from left-back. So I think there are good signs for Newcastle this season, and despite conceding you know, right at the death and probably what should have been a foul, it was still a good performance and a lot to build on. Yeah, I think people have been too quick to write them off, to be honest. Uh, but it's funny, you know, I I like their team on paper. I think they've got a really strong first 11 uh, that they can field there. They've got injury problems at the moment, so they've not been able to field that yet and probably will be a few weeks before they can field their strongest side. But I was up at training with them last week and to be honest, I've never come across a side that just had that feeling of depression and negativity about it. Uh, you know, they, they genuinely do have the nugget of a good team. They're not the worst team in the, the A-League on paper. And yet there was just lacking of, in confidence. I think the performance against the Mariners will have given them a lift and shown that they can mix it. They certainly didn't deserve to lose that. They, they deserve to come away with a share of the points. All right. Um, well, I, I mean, I think um, Jets have a few holes in the midfield. And that's perhaps... Um, you know, reflected in their signing of Caravella earlier, uh, just before the season kicked off. I think, um, I mean, look, uh, Flores is still, you know, he's got it, he's still on his way back, but I mean, past few seasons he hasn't hit the heights that, you know, have been expected of him. Mm. So whether or not he does actually get back to form um, and lead the Jets is, you know, something which we'll be looking out for in the next few weeks. And, and quickly on Mariners. How do, they, how do you see their season shaping up from their first performance? Personally, I think they've got a long season ahead from them, ahead of them, and I think they're writing the reputation of being the underdogs and of being written off and always defying those expectations. I think this is a season that they might just get their wake up call. Um, I personally can see them actually being contenders for Wooden Spoon, to be honest. Uh, Talking which of... is a harsh, harsh prediction, but I, I, somebody has to. Yeah. I think they are possibly the strongest contenders for. It. Well, if, the Stub- if Stubbins thinks that Jets have got people to prove wrong, then Mariners have got Kevin Ayers to prove wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into um, uh, Sydney FC and uh, Melbourne City, which was uh, arguably people were most excited to see. Was Villa going to start? He didn't. Um, but he came off the bench and scored. So, uh, yeah, Cronin, what, what are your thoughts? Should have started, I think. Um I mean, from what I read, uh, when he, you know, when he attended his first training session, signs were promising, and it did look in quite good nick. And so I would have, uh, for me, I think 
you know, he should have started. Mm. And City played well in the first half. They missed out on a few clear-cut chances, which, you know, if Villa Villa was there, he would have buried them. Um, Yeah, I thought it was interesting the way they played him, though, because, I mean, they were very much... uh, when he did come on, he was isolated on. He was on the left wing rather than central, and he was isolated out there and ignored by most of his teammates for much of the match. Um, whether that was because the rest of the team weren't used to him playing there, or the simply Cotton Willingham trying to protect him from any injury, they put him up against um, Ryle, who's probably the least savage of. Sydney's back line. Mm. Uh, so that, again, that could have been an indication that we're just trying to protect him. You put him central, you're going to have Ognanovsky, uh jumping on him at any moment, and he could have come to harm. It's going to be interesting to see where they play him from I, in the future. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, physicality-wise, you know, it takes time to adjust. But at the same time, at Barcelona, he did play on the left wing. So I think it it, mm. it could have been a tactical decision. In it the, could have been, but the way he was being ignored just annoyed me. I mean, he, he got, I think he was given the ball twice and he scored with one of them. You know. <laughs> Can I just say, what a moment for Mate Antich to play through the middle when you've got David Villa playing on the <laughs> I mean, like, he must have just looked up and gone, what the hell am I doing in the middle? Exactly. I've got a Spanish World Cup on the other side. It was quite bizarre. I thought it was a joke when the team sheet was getting read out before... V up front, I assume. No. <laughs> um, what an opener, though. What a, what, what a brilliant goal! Yeah, straight off the bench uh, and straight in. Oh, fantastic goal! Yeah. It was one of those ones that you know, even the Sydney fans were, well, some of them anyway, were clapping because it was just like, yeah, okay, that's what we paid our money for. Hmm. That's what you know, you pay for uh, pay a marquee to see. If you watch like the slow motion. Via takes his first touch and he does not look up at the goal once. No. Like, it's unbelievable, yeah. honestly. It's just all instinct. Yes. He knows exactly where the goal, goal is, where the keeper probably is. He doesn't need to look. And his first touch was impeccable. I mean, he had Ryle rushing onto him by the time the ball was going across. And so his first touch, um, he could have easily, you know, um, stuffed that up and that would have been the opportunity gone. But the fact that it was perfect, it was inch perfect, set him up with such a good opportunity to score and that's that's you know that's class yeah I thought the the other performance uh, obviously everyone's going to talk about Via but and everyone has also been talking about Duff but what really really impressed me about that was okay he was playing a great game and he set up uh, uh, Via but he was putting his heart and soul into that match he was running that line and at the 65th minute he did a huge big dribble up the wing uh, beat everybody and then screwed up his uh, his final cross and he was absolutely shattered I mean you, we could see hands on the hips head down taking in big big gulps uh, and I honestly thought he was going to sign signal to the bench to come off and he didn't he stayed on and he saw it in the 90 and he never once looked to the bench to be taken off uh, and that really impressed me to be honest that that is trademark Damien Duff though I um, I was watching him play at Blackburn in you know 10 years ago and he and still in his early 20s or mid 20s he still had that he'd do a run and he'd take him a few minutes to sort of get his breath back and he'd hands on the hips and he would sort of trot fairly slowly back to the halfway line for his next opportunity but that's what he does and he and he, how he conserves his energy to, to explode into this one dribble or one move down towards that byline to get a ball in is, is, is what he's made his career on so um, no yeah it's, um, it's as good seeing him in the uh, in the A-League as it is Villa definitely uh, but just going back to Villa's goal but n- not so much Villa's goal 
Was it even the best goal in the game? Um, as against uh, Gamera's. Mm. Gamera's was a cracker. Uh, I think Antonis's would have been even better mm. if that had gone in. Uh, that was an absolutely phenomenal shot. Uh, but, you know, I guess denied by the, the crossbar uh, means it wasn't as good. Well, I would say Gamero, if the goalkeeper hadn't touched it. I know that's not Gamero's fault, but just, <laughs> just the thing about looking at the goal. And when you get that goalkeeper interfering with the, the cleanness of the strike, it's a bit hard to judge it over someone like Villa who's straight in the bottom corner. So. Yeah, that was interesting. I saw a few Sydney fans on their forum actually being a bit down on Gamero uh, and reckoning he should be on the bench for this weekend's game, uh, even despite the goal, uh, which I thought was pretty harsh, to be honest. Mm. Uh, By expectations, I guess. Yeah, I think... Th- interesting thing about Sydney was that for all the talk pre-game about Arnie having you know, really marshaled everybody into line and cleared the trophy cabinet so for the silverware that they were going to collect this season, they didn't strike me as being very much different from what they were last season. It was still a bit clunky, it was still disconnected uh, and largely ineffective at some places and Sasha had an absolute shocker of a game. He was terrible. I mean, really, that was... It, it, I thought he was having a competition to see how he could high. He could kick the ball and see if he could get it out of Valley. If, if he got to the ball. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, his passing was terrible, his interceptions were terrible, his positioning was terrible. I mean, the only thing he didn't do was lamp somebody and get sent off. Um, no, he probably tried. It, probably. <laughs> in the tunnel. But, um, but Sydney, but the, do, do they, should they have slightly more high expectations than last season? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, they have got... A phenomenal selection to choose from in attack. Uh, Defence, I still think, might be an issue. Uh, I like the look of Gersbach. Yeah, the left back. Yeah, Yeah, the new left back. Mm. He was very, very impressive for the boy his age, I thought. Um, And a huge improvement in German and left back. I I thought that was very strange having him there. Mm. Uh, He's. Well, I heard that uh, Arnold said post match because he had to start with Blackwood up front, that he didn't want to throw so many youngsters into the game. That that certainly makes sense, Mm, but when they did the the change, I would have taken Sasha off, moved German into central defence, and brought Mm. Gares back on. Well, didn't German play left back at Brisbane? I think he has played left back before, but he's just. I think he's a much better central defender. Uh, certainly for a marauding fullback, he's he's just not got the frame for it, you know. Mm. Um, but Arnie's well, Sydney paid the big up bucks. in this like weird situation where they kind of have two guys that used to play in the centre, German and Sebastian Rahl, mm. have now ended up at fullback basically because yeah. that's what Farina did last season was just start packing the defence for centre backs. Yeah. In response to all their problems defensively last season. Yeah. And so I guess Arnold's just taking his time to sort of. Brinning, I think, Pech Bowich and Gersbach, I think, eventually will become... Yeah, I mean, Ryan Grant's on the comeback trail as well. He was at training when I was there yesterday uh, and working with the ball, so I think he's going to be making an appearance. You'd imagine he'd probably be a strong contender for right-back. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's so much competition for places, which yeah. is the encouraging thing about Sydney. You know, Sydney have a very, very good squad now. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Janko does when he... Janko? Janko? When he uh, starts, I have no idea how these names are pronounced. It's terrible. <laughs> if you can, if you can uh, email in, text in, tweet, tweet us with uh, the correct pronunciation, that'd be very happy. Phonetic, phonetic pronunciations <laughs> would be very good. Thank you for a Scotsman. I yeah. think they deserve a free mag for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could probably sell that. Right, um, moving Stop swiftly. Taking my mags away. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to sell these things. Half price mag for anyone who pron- no, okay. better, better. Wellington, Perth, cracking finish, great end to the game, 
Um, uh, yeah, what an emphatic way to win a game. Um, uh, Kenny Lowe rolled the dice uh, by bringing McLaren on, and yeah, it, it, it worked for him. Uh, yeah, that w- uh, well, uh, this game I thought was actually probably should have got more appreciation than it did because it was actually really entertaining. Uh, Wellington, in particular, for about twenty to 50, twenty-five minutes in this first half, they were just dominant. And they were just all over Perth. At first, Perth sort of started off for stronger with two sides, but then Wellington just came to their own, and the glory just had no response to it. Uh, McGlinchey, in particular, was just really impressive mm. in his first start for the Phoenix, and there were really promising signs there for Merrick's side this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what Merrick does with, you know, uh, having had a season under his belt and really being able to horn the side in this, side, uh, this season. Um, I can see them at least challenging for a final spot. Uh, I sort of think they've got the quality to actually compete for the title, but yeah, I can definitely see them challenging. I had, I must admit, written off Glory uh, pretty much for the season on the basis of Kenny Lowe, because I really enjoy him as a a character within uh, the A-League, but as far as his managerial savvy is concerned, I wasn't convinced by anything he did last season. However... Um, proved me wrong this season he's signed astutely mm. uh, the fact that he brought McLaren on giving him a chance and seeing that kind of go from him it's great uh, so yeah hopefully there might actually be challenges at least for the finals uh, rather than the wooden spoon which I thought they were going to com- be competing for the Mariners against more luck than anything I reckon that, you that reckon? substitution yeah but um, just going back to Wellington um, I think um, the the uh, well, the their reaction to the game is uh, like they're obviously very disappointed, and I think that goes back, uh, you know, to the preseason when you know when they had West Ham over in Newcastle, and they actually played well. They beat West Ham two one, mm. uh, narrowly lost to Newcastle, um, and so basically the reaction to the game was you know new team, new season with same old problems which they had last year. Um, I remember last year when they, you know. Towards the end of the year, or the middle half of the year, rather, there was a resurgence, and that they want they were they were on a winning streak, um, and they were beating you know, the top sides. Yeah, they, they had a, a good spell at the end yeah. of last season, but then they, they lost it again mm. uh, towards the end of the season, if I remember yeah. rightly. Uh, and I think, if anything, that was probably their lucky streak um, this season. Uh, again, you know. I think they've got a, a decent squad and can make a decent fist off it. Um, but I was more impressed by what I saw from Phoenix, uh, from Glory rather, and uh, their Irishman, Andy Q. Mm. I had an interesting chat with Johnny Davidson, and I had an interesting chat with an Irishman in Rio de Janeiro about how Andy Q pronounces, would pronounce his name. And is Fox pronouncing it Keo? Keo. Keo? I would say Keo. Yeah, well, apparently, according to this Irishman, who might well have been winding me up, (laughs) should be Q. Andy Q. As in, like, the Q for him to score. Yeah, except whenever I pronounced it Q, he told me I'd pronounced it wrong, even though he was saying Q. So, if there's Neil Sherman, I'm looking at you, I want to know exactly phonetically how how an Irishman would pronounce Andy Q-E-O-G-H. Please, thank you. And um, and you can join the queue to telling us how to pronounce people's names. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, can we have a... <laughs> thank you, thank you. Sympathy laughing. Sympathy, sympathy. And um, McGlinchey, this was like a, a, a classic rom-com. Will, will, he get, will he get the girl at the end? And 
Wellington have, have finally gone through all the saga of trying and they've managed to sign him and he's, uh, he's come up and scored a goal. Is he going to be the, the key for almost challenging for a good season this year? I think so. I mean, McGlinch is a, a, a great signing for them. Um, it's interesting. Mariners are collecting enemies uh, with players leaving them to go to rival clubs. Uh, they're going to have a lot of grudge matches this season, by the looks of things. Uh, but I think McGlinch is a, a great signing. Um, it's unfortunate that it was as emotional uh, a departure from the Mariners as it was. Mm. I think that could have been handled much, much better uh, if it was that clear that he wanted to leave. Uh, Mariners should have put their hands up much earlier and yeah. how he had to buy his way out of the contract I still don't understand he hadn't signed a contract with the new club as far as I understand it with the new owners it's all very bizarre all very ugly and bitter and apparently they've uh, they've still kept some of his CDs if we're going back to my uh, rom-com analogy really? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Dog. They, they won't give him him back um, so moving on to the last game of the weekend, um, and it, it, it was another cracker. I was up there for one of my favourite games um, of the weekend. Gite's goal was get gold around. You reckon? Yeah, it probably was. Actually, it was an absolute blockbuster thunderbolt. Oh. He, he almost smashes it against the floor. If you watch it slowly, it almost hits the floor after it's left his foot and just bounces um, cannons into the goal um, it, it was amazing it was a great finish and uh, top guy good to see him uh, yeah. see him scoring yeah. possibly the most articulate player in the A-League I reckon mm. he's a phenomenal person to interview just so eloquent articulate well, he speaks French doesn't he he could well do I think he does yeah. he spoke English to me though ok <laughs> <laughs> so which is always wise yeah. <laughs> so 2-1 um, fair result, do you think? Uh, I think it was a shot, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think Brisbane were obviously favourites. Brisbane were obviously favourites. Um, but I think they just absolutely lack discipline. Matt Mackay's red card. Yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I think Ben Williams lacked discipline, to be honest. <laughs> that's that's my line normally. I go the referees, but yeah, I think you were right. But um, Katishi looked good, didn't he? I mean, he he gave them uh, an add dimension to what uh, Barisha gave back then. He's a lot more elegant mm. um, as opposed to Barisha, who's a bit more you know a bit more ferocious. Um, you say Sanchez though for Adelaide was he was. Immense, in my opinion, he made he, defensively. He was great, um, and he was often the one, uh, the focal point of counter attacks. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, think that that's something though that Brisbane will miss is Barisha uh, defensive work because he was always closing down the opposition as soon as the ball was lost uh, in, in the opposition's uh, back line. He would be on the defenders, yeah. harassing trying to disrupt their play before they'd even got a chance to, to uh, start. I didn't see uh, Katishi mm. uh, doing well, Absolutely, that. like you saw Brisbane were trying to close Adelaide down and high up the pitch and stop them playing out from the back, and they did that pretty well. Like Glekovic had to keep taking those long balls towards the fullbacks, mm. And at the other end, you had Adelaide trying to do the same thing. Um, I think that's always been Adelaide's weakness, yeah. though, since Gombo reign began, is the, the, the playing out from the back. They can do the rest of the... The Gombo yep. game plan, but 
the actual playing out from the back, getting that move begun yeah. in the back line seems to be a problem for them. Which is why I think they went to this. I want to talk about this formation they were playing because it was just so hard to get track off at times because it was a 4 3 3 without the ball like we expect last season. But then Isaiah's. No idea if that's the correct pronunciation or not. But uh, he was playing centre-back in the four, back four. But then when Adelaide had the ball, he would move forward into holding midfield. And it would become a 3-4-3 three, three with a diamond midfield. Just to add to all the confusion, Sirio and Pablo Sanchez were swapping roles throughout the game. So if anyone's just trying to keep track, it was just completely lost. Well, you know what? If we if Tim Palmer cannot keep track, we're going to do that, right? Do you have a whiteboard, huh? That's why you're watching a match. Do you, do, are you, do you scrubbing about, stuff I use about four pages. <laughs> no, that's wrong. Let's write it down again. I'd love to be your stationer. <laughs> fortune. Um, but um, going back to Brisbane... Actually, a nod to the to the latest issue of the mag as well. We've got an Achilles heel feature, which is why your team will not win the A League this season. And and one of the the points in that for Brisbane is how will they motivate themselves to go again? Um, you know, after romping the, the the league last year, how will they how will they do it again? Do you think that's going to be the hardest thing to 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 push them on to be challenging again? Oh, probably because um, in the I remember. Couple of weeks back in preseason, Mike Mulvey was talking about just a lack of focus in training. He was really disappointed with the uh, the intensity in one preseason game, and he said they had to have a, like a squad confrontation meeting. And so, I mean, if you're doing that really? in preseason, God, like, I missed that. Jeez. That's, yeah. a, that's a worry. If that's, you're doing that in preseason, yeah. that's a big worry. I think. It, w- it was interesting. Also, the um, season launch uh, at Sydney uh, Moore Park uh, Stadium. Um, Matt Smith was saying uh, to Thomas Brooke on the way there uh, that you know they were saying, "What is our motivation going to be for this season?" And uh, Matt Smith was saying, "Well, one thing we've not done before is back-to-back premierships, uh, so that's what they're aiming for." Which I still think is kind of aiming a little low to me, to be honest. I mean, you know, back-to-back premierships a huge thing, obviously, but they're now in the Asian Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would think that. That would be the prime motivating force, because uh, that's something that you know they've never done at all. They've won a premiership, they've won back-to-back championships, they've never been in Asia and claimed any silverware or made it to a final there. That would be huge. Well, they have been in Asia, but they've left very quickly. Um, so yeah, I, ra- I thought that was odd. Sorry, would you rather win the A League or like you know try to go as far as you can in the Champions League? I mean, I think the, they should be aiming to do all of that. Though I mean, the, the Premiership and the, the Premiership, they got every team in the the, uh, the league has to be looking to win the Premiership. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a given. I would have thought. Well, I mean, striking uh, a balance is really hard between. Of the course, two. it is, but you know it can be done. Wanderers and Adelaide are proof of it. Uh, clever rotation. Great, well we will leave it there, that's part one over Join us after this bit of music For some Socceroos talk
Welcome back, folks. Um, Socceroos, let's just jump straight into it. UAE, Socceroos, nil-nil. Ange came out and uh, and welcomed people to question his tactics. Uh, but, um, actually, Tim, just jump straight into it, question his tactics. Let's talk us through the game. Well, I think the first thing you have to consider is just the conditions they were playing in. So, I was actually over in Qatar a couple of weeks ago, which they were playing in last night, but... It's very similar temperature to the UAE, mm. and it's it was, it's just so hot, like it's just unbelievable over there. Uh, Forty two degrees in the day, and then it goes down to about thirty five at night. And you try walking around, and it's just it's just bloody hot. <laughs> I can't imagine playing football in that. So I think that's the first thing you've got to consider. And then secondly, as well, because this kind of international break against you know, let's face it, small Asian sides. It's not great motivation for the players, especially ones that are coming from all over Europe. Mm. And it's, it's hard to get themselves up, you know, after a couple of weeks of the club season, they're getting in the flow of the club games, and then they have to stop that and come play for the Socceroos. It can't be a great motivation for the players. So I think that's the first thing you've got to consider, and probably a key reason behind why. Uh, are the UAE a small, you know, they're small in, in size, but, um, you know, some people have got them as a bit of an outside shot, uh, making a bit of an impact in, in the Asian Cup. Um you know, from from the game, what, what what did you think about their tactics and and almost did we go out there to to try and win the game or and they were just stopping us from playing or did we just not quite get well, the it was right? The, it's the usual Postecoglou way, as we saw at the World Cup. You know, he wants us to start and have lots of possession and then try and attack through Cahill, whipping the balls into Cahill. I think what we're finding now in games, we've gone away from playing these big teams that are going to dominate us most of the time towards playing uh, Asian sides where they're sort of happier to sit back and defend. And we're starting to see now that the crossing into KO is just becoming really predictable. And so, you know, Australia have a very set way of playing and attacking, getting it out wide towards the winners and the fullbacks, and then crossing it into KO. I mean, KO wasn't there against the UAE, so mm. that's made it even less effective. And there was just at times such an over-reliance on playing down the flanks and just a lack of combination play through the middle which I think is going to become a real problem if we're going to play these sort of societies at the Asian Cup. Well it was a, it was a problem during the World Cup I mean even before our first game against Chile, coach came out and he knew how we were going to play. It was just a matter or not they would be able to execute it mm. Yeah I mean I think we're now testing the faith of even the most loyal Ange Postecoglou, but this, this is always the way with... Well, this was the way with Ange Brisbane Roar, where there was a run of terrible results that uh, even the most loyal fan thought, no, Ange has got to go, uh, and then he came back and got the double. And that's what he's writing... That's the reputation that he's writing at the moment, and it's what's keeping the faithful faithful. Um, but, jeez... I mean, at the it's, same it's time, it's hard, hard at the yeah. moment to believe. He's got, he's got the reputation, but you, you can still question it. It's still constructive criticism to say, yeah. "Are we mm. getting too reliable?" Yeah. On Cahill. Uh, oh, I think I just don't think there's any question that we're relying too much on Cahill, to be honest. Uh, and what really annoyed me, not so much with the the UAE match, but with uh, Qatar, was we were so dogmatic in that approach where we're playing into the channels, somebody was running down to the byline, cutting it back, lobbing it into the box for Cahill, regardless of what the other options were. In the first half, Troisi was through on goal. He was, wasn't through on goal, he was approaching the box. He had an acre of space around him. There was nobody near him. He could have taken it on himself and just run at the, the, uh, the goals and tried a shot. 
and he still persisted in pushing it out to the channels, and the move died before there was any development there. I'm just going to Such I'm a waste. whack a stat out there for you. Um, crossing the U, um, UAE, 34 attempted, 9 successful. Thoughts on that? Doesn't work. Absolutely doesn't work, I well, think. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say it doesn't work. I, it's one of those yeah. things you've... You can throw in a lot of crosses, and most of them will be come to nothing, but some of them will score. Uh, and it, crosses into the box are an easy tactic to carry out, and it's a potential for goals. Uh, and you need the variety because otherwise, the opposition defence yeah. can plan before the game. They know the cross is going to come in. Then, when the game starts and you're sending in crosses, they're going to go, right, we know exactly yeah. what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. When you've got that lack of variety, it's just. Yeah, I mean, we need to mix it up more, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, but I'm not averse to crosses into the box. I know there is, I know, I think Kate Cohen's <laughs> huge, huge anti crosses into the box advocate. But I still see the merit in them as part of a varied. I tag. think it's a valid tactic, it just needs to have some variety to it. Yeah, yeah. and the thing is, we n- must have more outlets than just Cahill. The other thing, when, uh, again, going back to the Qatar match, by the time Cahill went off, they were 1 0 up, and they just flooded the box. So we stopped trying the, the lobs into the box, we tried taking it down the middle, but by that time it was too late because they had just parked the bus, and Which there was is- no room for anybody else to, no room for us to uh, do anything. We, we got it wrong. This was obviously, of course, um, Qatar Socceroos 1-0 this morning, as we're recording this Wednesday. Cronin, thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, it's, um, you just pointed out that you know, when they started flooding in the box, they tried to play through the middle, and that's what they should have been doing all along. I mean, well, it, mixing it up, you know, yeah, that's exactly. the thing. We shouldn't have one dogmatic approach, and by the time that we did start mixing it up, it was too late. They were uh, just parking the bus against us. The other thing as well is our defence is just not, in the least bit intimidating. Uh, there's nobody there with an ounce of mongrel. You know, Alec Wilkinson is a really, really nice bloke. Really nice bloke. Mm. But you don't want really nice blokes in defence. Mm. Uh, I know his, I met his dad in Brazil and he's a lovely bloke. But again, I don't want them there. I don't want smiles. I was saying to Adam earlier that there was a, f- a corner uh, in the first half against Guitar and we had three Qatar players in the box and Alec Wilkinson walked up to them and sort of pushed gently on their chest <laughs> like a child in the school toilets seeing if anybody's in the loo and realised, oh no, that one's full, moving on get in their face, barge them out of the way impose yourself, and we don't do that we've got defenders with side partings mm. <laughs> we don't need defenders with side partings we need defenders with Mohicans as I said to Adam, if they're going to do that to themselves imagine what they'll do to you <laughs> well, I think, I think he follows the ball too much so um, he's always trying to get the ball off, the, per- uh, off the, you know, the attacking player which isn't a bad thing but once they've been able to get the ball past you there's a gap right behind yeah. you and they're just going to exploit yeah. that gap and we've, we've got very him. nice, very good technical defenders who do the right things in that they get position themselves to break up the play they don't get physical they don't go to ground uh, which in itself is good but the positioning's bad the speed isn't great mm-hmm. and once they get past them we're defeated and yeah. we need more mongrel in my opinion yeah. There is this weird thing happening with our back four. It's, it's been an ongoing issue throughout the Postacogra era. It's where we just can't hold the offside line. And so what Ange wants to do is when the opposition takes the ball back towards their own goal, that 
the back four has to push high up the pitch. But what we're seeing is a lot of the time, like one full back or both will just be one or two metres behind the player. And it's happening time and time again. And you could see it this morning at the Qatar goal. Obviously, it bounced off one of our own guys and went straight through to the Qatari attacker. But it was still a good example of the fact that a fullback is one or two metres behind the rest of the defensive line. They're not pushing up as a unit. And it's just leading to opposition's being able, opposition being able to be in what looks like an offside position, but is onside. And we saw it against Croatia, the goal that Croatia scored in a pre-friendly before the World Cup. Uh, Jason Davidson is about five metres behind the rest of the defensive line. And Manzukic scores. I don't even have to remember the goal, but I certainly do, because it's just an ongoing issue throughout the Postacoglu era. And it's really frustrating to see it not getting fixed up. And I think a big reason for that is because of the lack of uh, continuity with the selection in defence. So we've now got Topper Stanley in there instead, and we've now got Trent Sainsbury getting, uh, getting a few games. So not being able to have that settled back four is leading mm. to a bit of a problem. There. This is one of the things I'm actually quite perplexed by. I honestly thought these last two games would have been finessing that first 11, finessing the partnerships, the relationships that have been building, uh, where we would be decided on what the starting 11 would be and just working on the details of that. And we're not. We're still experimenting. We're I, still trying to find that first I, 11. I do wonder if because the top Stanley's coming in, because I think we can all agree that Spiranovic is probably going to be the first choice defensive one, defender once he comes back from fitness. Mm. Is this maybe Postacoglu preempting that for the Asian Cup and starting to get Top or Stanley into the national team so that when it comes to Asian Cup time, he can play Top or Stanley and Spiranovic, who have a good partnership at the Wanderers? Is that him starting to go, hang on, I do need to find some familiarity? Yeah, that's, that's this a, is the way I can do it. That's not a bad call, but I would have played Trent Sandsbury instead of uh, Alec Wilkinson if that yeah. was the case. Mm. I think Trent Sainsbury needs more of a runner than yeah. Alec Wilkinson. We know what he can do. And nice guy, but not quite. Yeah. Not, not enough mongrel. <laughs> um, the passing as well, I thought, was pretty diabolical. Mm. Uh, I know this was something that Fox were uh, raising quite a lot uh, in the broadcast, but I think it did. It, it's a fair point. You know, Even the simplest of passes were going awry. Players that don't seem to have spent much time together, and I think possibly rusty from not enough uh, domestic duties uh, it's all just really disappointing uh, and I expected better but having said that, the, the basic style and aggressive attacking football that we wanted the soccerers to be played it's to be playing, it's there. it's there It's there. we are doing it, we're just not doing the basics of that right it, there has to be the line between people carrying on that we're going uh, off the rails because we have to accept that Postacoglu has made a big change yeah. and it's a testament to how good that change was that people are now demanding so much more yeah absolutely yeah. but we need to score goals yeah. that, that's that's the huge elephant in the room for Postacoglu at the moment is not getting enough goals and being too flimsy in defence and not being focused enough for 90 minutes yeah. uh, I think is it, three main issues I would have with it yeah again bring out another stat 17, this is a UAE game um, 17 shots 5 on target zero goals uh, I think even Leckie came out after that game and said he needs to be more clinical and he needs to uh, finish more uh, more of the chances is, is there anyone that you can see these uh, a glut of goals are going to come from because and that's what we need to do in, in, in those Asian Cup games there's teams that we need to be scoring goals against if we don't then you know it'll be a case of shutting up shop and we're not going to be able to get through Who's going to get these goals? Who, who do you see them coming from? Well, they they put Taggart on uh, against Spain, and I guess he was obviously the natural heir to Tim Cahill. 
um, because he offers a lot more than just um, Tim Kale and his aerial prowess. I think I read a stat somewhere where it was about 55% of the goals he scored in his career have come from headers. Yeah. <clears throat> Something like that. So obviously, you know, uh, he's like he's great with his feet, but it's mainly uh, his ability to be able to head the ball. And I think Taggart offers something different. Um, or even Tommy Urich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. He's a, he's a big guy. He's a big guy. So he's got that same aerial dominance over everyone else. And he's still able to, uh, he's still prolific in front of goals. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we just need to for these people to show their ability at international level though, and that, that's what's been sadly lacking we've, we've got pa- players there that on paper look like they should be good players for us yet they're just not producing uh, when it matters Tommy Urich is one uh, you know if Curry Gamera hadn't been injured last season with Fox Sports I, could have, I would have ex- possibly expected to see him at uh, uh, Brazil, maybe even, uh, if he's capable of coming up with more goals like he did last weekend. Um, but A-League level is not translating yeah. to international level. Can but I just w- say, on that question about uh, who's going to get the goals, it's not going to be anyone but Cahill in the way that he's set up the side. Like, mm. Postacoglu's mm. tactics are just about getting into Cahill. Give it to Cahill and yeah. let him do his and stuff. that hasn't changed over the last two families, which is when you expect that, to- that yeah. evolution yeah. to take place. So I think... And the, 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 that is the worry because, as Kale said in Brazil, he goes into every game and gives his all, regardless of the consequences, and he mm. doesn't look to the next game. So if he gives his all in one and two, gets a yellow card in both, he's out for the third. If he gets a red card, he's out for the, the yeah. possibly the next two. It, and we have no other option, yeah. none it, whatsoever. Yeah. It, it's not a sustainable model either. You know, Cahill at the Asian Cup. After that, how many? How long is he going to keep playing for us? If if Ange professes about his um, his dream and and how he sees the the Socceroos being moulded under his leadership, he needs to come up with a plan B. And um, and, and I can't see where that's coming from. It's not even a plan B. I think it's a plan A. Mm. I mean, Tim Cale is short term stuff. I think like, we, we can't get Tim Cahill to retire and then be like, okay, yeah, Tim well, Cahill's gone. What do we do now? I think I think that is the. The long-term progression for Ange is get through the Asian Cup, bring these players through on the periphery and hope that one of them hits form so that when Cahill does hang up his boots after the Asian Cup, as I'm almost certain will happen, there is somebody at least that just has experience in the side, in the formation, in the squad, in the setup, and may then start producing. But well, that's, it's not there at the moment. That's arguably what Osik was trying to do back then. I mean, no, I don't he, think it was because he just no. wasn't bringing through players wasn't giving anybody a substantial run in the squad other than his uh, select first 11 the rest were getting chopped and changed without any purpose and usually designed to fail I felt well to be fair to Postacoglu he is trying to change I think oh yeah, he's, he he's recognising yes. the problem because like this morning he went, he, he went he's gone to a 4-3-3 in these friendlies rather than 4-2-3-1 and he's he played this morning he played Troisi and Bresciano with Jednak sitting just behind him basically never getting forward which is a change and that's, that's getting more players who can make those late runs into the box and support Kale. That's yep. getting more of those players into the side. And before, where we used to just have Bashan as the number 10 and then someone like Mark Milligan or Matt Mackay next to Jedna, he's now flipped that triangle around. And as we saw this morning, Troy C got forward and got a good opportunity. Yeah. So he is recognising the problem. Yeah. It's just getting that balance between... Yeah. He, he is. I mean, like I say, plan A is Kale. 
plan B is let's try and get somebody coming in yeah. to, to replace him when Cahill goes. And I think Troisi could still be the man yeah. that does it. I, I actually like everything I've seen about Troisi. I just wish he had more consistency in front of goal and was a bit more lethal in front of goal. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to smack it this morning. He's like, yeah, when I first know. of all, he's going to hit the bloody ball. Just, <laughs> just get it in yeah. there. Um, I think we are heading in the right direction, but yeah, it's a huge leap of faith. And to be honest, after this today's game, I really thought we're going to struggle to get out the group stages of the Asian Cup, and that's terrible. Uh, and I, I, I like Ange, I like what he's doing, I like the direction he's going, but I fear for his uh, job if we don't get out the group stage. You spoke about um, you know, uh, we were, how soccer is, we're rusty, um, but the A-League fixtures don't really help, do they? I mean, a lot, quite a few of them are from the A-League, and A-League's just started when yeah. all the other leagues aren't yeah. playing. Uh, there's no way around it. I mean, uh, there wasn't that many from the A-League participating, I don't think, this round. But we should yeah, we should be taking an international break for the A-League full stop anyway. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, that, that's just a given, and I've been saying that since, I think, season one, to be honest. Even if they aren't participating in the games, the other A-Leaguers, they're often staying up till three o'clock in the morning in the night of a match, mm-hmm. when it was uh, previously when it was at weekends. Um it's it's just a nonsense all around. And then Japan next. So it, could this be? Colonel, uh, uh, you mentioned um, a little bit earlier that it's it's sometimes quite hard to um, motivate yourself for sometimes the smaller games. This is going to be a big game, uh, and it's it's really important to go and actually come back with a, a decent result. But there is there's a decent possibility that we go into the Asian Cup after not winning any of the warm up games. Yeah, I think um, without having scored a goal in several games as well, uh, which is a, a really really worrying prospect. Uh, we need to we need to find some kind of solution, even if it's tightening stuff up. But I. I I'm just wondering if we don't have the cattle, basically. Mm. But there is this odd argument going on at the moment where there's a certain section of the media saying that the results don't matter because Ant is trying to build a long-term project. But that sort of seems to ignore the fact that a good performance generally does equal a good result. And at mm. the moment, we haven't got the performance to, and we're not getting the results. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think like, it's hard to... I don't have a problem with the performance we put in at the World Cup, for that example. was fine. It's these ones that are worried. These ones are yeah. just a huge worry, but yeah. mainly because we're not getting results out of these ones. To be honest, yeah. I mean, we're letting us out the same problem we had at the World Cup. We've got now, which is the defence. The new problem we've got at the moment is we've forgotten how to pass, uh, and the same problem we had at the World Cup is we're reliant on Cahill. So, as far as I'm concerned, we've just not necessarily progressed enough. Yeah. We've not developed from then. We've not solved the problems we identified at the World Cup. Uh, And hopefully we will do soon. But we need to very, very, very quickly, for Angie's sake. Yeah, there's an argument that says that the the chances are being created. You know, that stat from 17 shots uh, in the UAE game. You know, if someone puts one, one of them away... We come away with a one 0 win, and it's you know, and it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, it's a game of margins. It goes back to that Troisi. Troisi actually had a shot on goal that was denied. Uh, he did a lovely turn in the box, and yeah. 
was it saved? Was it, or yep. was it side netting? One of the two. And if that had gone in, then it would have been a, probably a very, very different game. And, but that's the kind of margins. That's football, as they say. Mm. Uh, sometimes it goes for you, and sometimes you're... Uh, as, as soon as we get, I think, that goal, it's going to change a lot of things, because then opponents don't have to start coming high up the pitch. Yep. And then we have the pace to be able to thread them behind, like Robbie Cruz and Matt Leckie and Tommy Orr. These are the kind of players who can be dangerous on the counter-attack. The problem is we're not getting those opportunities to counterattack because these Asian teams are happy just to sit back and defend. Yeah, yeah. But I think we need, first and foremost, we need to settle on our first 11. Yeah. And then we everything will build from that. Stop chopping and changing. Hopefully Japan will be... I think we'll get a good indication of what the first choice 11 will yeah, be. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Is there an argument for starting or at least getting some A-League strikers in there that are banging the goals in the A-League rather than a, a target who is probably not getting a huge amount of game time. It's going to say so Bruce which, which ones do you want? Do you want Del Pierre, Borussia, <laughs> McGlinchey, Villa, Kio, Q? Q. Abroich. <laughs> <laughs> Which of those E-League strikers do you want playing for us? Well, which can we nationalise in, in, in between now and then? <laughs> but, um, but no, no, his first game, there are, you know, Juric, uh, 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 Gamero, there, there are potentially some strikers there that could, in the next three months, start banging them in in the A-League. I, I personally have a lot of faith in Juric. Uh, I think if he can start really producing for Wanderers he has a, a strong future with the Socceroos uh, Gamero I think potentially could be a similar story as well um, but there's not that many great signs for Australian strikers you know Bernie had been he played up front against the UAE yeah and he, he doesn't he's not going to play up front for Sydney FC I don't think so uh, he's going to play on the wing or yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, I think he, he offers speed and yeah. Which might be useful in a game against, like, let's say, Spain or Belgium, against a team that's just packing their own box. He's got nowhere to run. Yeah, basically, and that's just going to run into a wall all the yeah. time. So, yeah, I'm not necessarily completely convinced that he, he is one of our solutions. But what can you do? <laughs> so, before you start um, penning Ange out on your bed sheets and taking them to Socceroos games, um, yeah. Holger in. Holger in. <laughs> okay, well, that's, um, that's, that, that's for part two, and join us after a little bit of music for part three. Technical uh, malfunction. I have to say, whoa, 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 Right, part three. It's all right, folks. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. Feels like a full 90. Um, so we'll finish off the pod uh, and previewing the weekend's games. 
Uh, we'll try and predict some of the scores. Let's see how far we are wrong from that. And um, and start off with the Friday game, a top of the table clash. <laughs> Is it too early to start looking at the table after one game? Nope. No, no. Okay, so um, yeah, let's let's jump in. Actually, yes, it is. Because I reckon that's still pretty upside down, with the exception of Melbourne and Adelaide. As far as how it's going to finish, I'd s- anyway. Sorry, anyway. Carry on. <laughs> just going off there by myself. Don't worry about me. Well, let's just start with predicting the next game uh, rather than the, the the end of the season. So um, Adelaide victory Friday night. Over two and a half goals. Over two and a half Over. goals. Over four and a half goals. On the punt. Yeah. Betting speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think 3-3, three, three, honestly. 3-3? Three, three. It's, it's 3-3? Three, three. It's going to be an absolute cracker, I'd say. What was it last time? Between Actually, yeah, that's Four, three goal. last time. Yeah. So I think we're in for another high-scoring one, especially with the way that Adelaide and Melbourne sort of came out of that's the blocks. That's over five and a half goals. Hmm? That's over five and a half goals. <laughs> I'll put my money on that then. Jeez. <laughs> Um, so we've got. Th- I want to check the odds on that. <laughs> we've got a three-three to start, Kev. Yeah, no, I think it is going to be a cracking game. Uh, and yeah, both so free-scoring. Um, I think you're still probably being a bit unkind to Victory's defence, though. To be honest, I think Victory's defence has improved this season over the last season. Uh, so I think Victory might edge this one actually. Uh, though I do think both sides will score. And if it was four-three last time, yeah, fancy four-three again actually. Okay. Victory. Kev, you've just said you're being a bit unkind on Victory's defence and also predicted they're going to concede three goals. Yeah. Okay. Good. Just wanted to clarify. Adelaide's. That would be be doing well for the Victory defence, though. (laughs) Based on last season. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a bit more conservative. Um, I'm going to go with a 2 1 to Victory. 2 1 to Victory. Still over two and a half goals. Yeah. Um, no, I just, I just not much faith in the attack, Adelaide attack, then, eh? Uh, I don't know. It, it, I don't like predicting. <laughs> just like no one likes predicting. Cronin is squirming on the sofa, <laughs> just as well as at the sofa to himself. Otherwise, it can be a bit uncomfortable <laughs> for those and awkward for those next to him. Um, and I've gone for three two Adelaide. So um, we've got a bit of a mixture there, really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Mariners, Phoenix, Saturday afternoon kickoff, grudge match part two (laughs) from Mariners. Just a series of grudge matches this season. Do you think McGlinchey will play a half for each? Like a a, a testimonial. (laughs) Play one of those jumpers. It's half and half. Actually, their home strip and uh, Mariner's new home strip are pretty close to it. Yeah. Yeah. He may get confused. Num- <laughs> got a count number of misplaced passes. <laughs> Score. Kev. Okay. Um, I fancy Wellington for this one, actually. Um, although, to be fair, Mariner's defence is still probably as good as any in the, the, the league, I'd say. Uh, I just don't fancy that they'll score too many goals uh, this season. So, yeah, actually, rethinking that could be a nil-nil. Nil-nil. Tim? Uh, I think I'll go one-nil Mariners. I think that'll just that'll snatch out the death again. Death again. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, I went one-nil as well. Nil-all for me. Nil-all. I can. Yeah. So there's not, not so many so goals. Matt Sim will probably score ten or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or maybe, uh, oh yeah, yeah, you just said that. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy writing the scores down. So that, that's why we were headphones, so we can hear each other. <laughs> All right, so um, Kev, what do you think the, the Mariners Wellington score is going to make? <laughs> um, the Sydney Derby, is that Saturday It is, night? yeah. yeah. Who would have thought of that? I've not, not heard much about that this, this week. No, do you think it was but be a seller? Potentially, yeah. I think it might, might have a Sydney few tickets. Derby's so always just crap games. Like, the atmosphere is great, but the game itself is just crap. But it's not about the game. It's about the atmosphere. It is. I want to watch the game. I don't care about what the game is. It's about bragging rights against the NRL and who can pack a bigger crowd. And who can do the best Photoshop of David Gallup as a Sydney player. <laughs> as per the back of the telly this, after, this afternoon, this morning. Um, but yeah, um, uh, so... Tim? Score. I think Adelaide and Melbourne have taken up all the goals for this week, so I'll go one all. One all. Cronin? Two one is Sydney. Which one? Sydney at FC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've gone two one Wanderers, actually. And uh, and Kevin? I think this could be Arnie's greatest moment. Highlight of the season for him. Three one. Three one. I think this is going to be a bit of a wake-up season for the Wanderers, to be honest. It's my humble opinion, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the full squad. Surely they'll not have one eye on the Champions League and, and put a full-strength team out as, as, as much as they can? I would think so, for this one, certainly. Spiro back? Uh, no, I think he's still three or four weeks away, last I heard. I saw him in the in the air, in Sydney airport eating McDonald's the other day. That's probably not going to help his. Oh, they had the wonder his meal come out today, so he's probably just taste testing that. Potentially, yeah, yeah. potentially. So you sing for McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want flares with that? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Manchester City versus Newcastle. Newcastle. Melbourne Manchester City. City. No, no, I know what I'm saying. Villa's <laughs> <laughs> home debut. Great uh, one. Samir City, Melbourne City. Buddy help, Kevin. Cronin? <laughs> um, 2 0, Man City. Melbourne City! <laughs> this is bad. It's so easy. Seed the doubt. I am going for 2 0 New York City. I mean, Melbourne City, for God's sake. <laughs> um, Kev? 3 uh, 1 again for uh, City. But I think what's going to be more interesting, actually, is what the crowd number is for this game. Because mm. yeah. uh, I honestly can't estimate. Uh, you would think probably 12,000, but maybe there'll be a shed load more. Mm. If it was a normal Newcastle game uh, uh, down in Melbourne, you would think probably 9,000. Mm. But this one, 12,000 would be a good crowd. But with Via there, you would hope for maybe 20. Mm. So, And the whole new revised, we're not Melbourne Heart, honest, we're City, we always have been. Forget about Melbourne Heart, that didn't exist. <laughs> um, they would look for 20 grand. 20,000, do you think, at least? You see, this is something that uh, it's kind of confused me a little bit with bringing Veer on for you know the last bit of the the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this a ten game stint? Yes. Does that class as? I think it's ten games 
just it was always going to be ten games, right. including the first round of the season. Okay, and so if he hadn't have played they, that game, it didn't matter if they didn't play him or not, he was okay. still going to end in his loss in the tenth game. Uh, yeah. Uh, but well, it's not like one of those loyalty cards where you get like a cafe ten stars <laughs> <laughs> just pick those games that you want to go to yeah. uh, you get another free New York City player <laughs> you can play it for your ten times yeah it's going to be interesting to see how many he does play I heard a nasty rumour that it may not be ten yeah well after Lampard is potentially staying in Man City um, for the season, or there's, there's a lot of talk coming out of it. You know, that's why they've that's why they've got Claudio Ranieri following uh, David V around Melbourne, making sure he's not getting in, into any trouble. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I just thought bringing him on for 20 minutes in a, 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 against Sydney last weekend. You know, would you have just kept him up your sleeve and had the big reveal at the first home game? Well, yeah, well, he, he scored the goal and he, he he got him a point, so there's obviously a reason for it. But I'm, I'm maybe thinking with a too much of a commercial mind. But uh, yeah, Can I just say that we all predicted Melbourne City, despite spending the first ten minutes of the pod talking about how good Newcastle are going to be this season. So. Yeah. yeah, but I think City are still going to be one of the final six. Uh, I think there's probably a four or five way battle for that sixth spot in the final six and Jets may or may not be competing for it but I don't think they're going to be the wooden spoon yeah. I think that that's more what I was trying to say I don't think the type of contenders in any way shape or form but they will pick up points against Phoenix Glory are Melbourne City title contenders? no I don't think so no. not unless Via really really comes alive and plays all nine games they win every one of those next nine games uh, and so they, they kind of did a reverse of what they did last season. They, mm. they do a Mariners, basically. They've got a huge head of steam going by Christmas, and then they desperately cling on to that for the rest yeah. of the season until the finals. It, it could almost act against them, though. If they have, if they do play really well and Veer is the, the linchpin of it all, then when he leaves, will it all unravel? It's, you know, you, you saw that with potentially Wanderers, where um, they, with the defence last week, you know, you take a key player out of it, or potentially two key players, um, and uh, you know, when it, it all falls apart, it's uh, which is which is why I think just going back to what we spoke about and why Villa wasn't playing up front. Maybe that might be the case, whereby you know, if they need someone up front who. Um, you know, is able to score the goals and not just fully rely on Via to do so. Um, so when he leaves, you know, they'll be able to keep the momentum going should they do well and should they play well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're, they're going to have the work cut out. But when you've got players with the class and determination that Damien Duff is bringing to them, I can see them actually doing better than I've initially thought before I saw Duff in action uh, for the rest of the season after uh, Via's gone. Um, but I think it is important if they're going to challenge for the title at all they really need to maximise the return from uh, Via's stint with them uh, otherwise I think it's going to be Victory Roar and Sydney that are going to be fighting it out myself Well the only striker in the squad beyond Via well I mean Juzantich Juk whatever Juzantich um, played up front but I just uh, corrected somebody's pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably wrong. <laughs> uh, the only other striker in the squad is Dave Williams. Okay. He yeah. tries, tries to be Carlos Tevez. <laughs> 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 but uh, 
I don't it looks know. or it didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I just can't see who is going to play out front apart from Williams once Veer leaves. And obviously they might not be worried about it now because Veer's all new and exciting, but that could be a real problem later down the track. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, have they actually finalised their squad? Uh, Can you bring anyone in at any time? No, not at any time, but I think they still can. I think, I think the, the window's transfer, closed, yeah. No, I think it carries on into November. Because mm. Josh Kennedy rumoured this event's... Kennedy's still been linked. Um, Bresciano was linked, but I think not for this season, for next season, though. No. <laughs> yep. uh, so there's still room for them to bring somebody in. Mm. Uh, someone across from New York? Almost. I'm not sure if there's room for. Well, I suppose there will be a fear leaves for yep. a foreigner. Um, but either way, there's still. There's money, there's squad space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we can still do something. I'd be interested to find out about the temperament and the sort of professionalism of Duff after he is, you know, he's arguably uh, his Premier League credentials sit up there with, um, you know, maybe not as big as Villa, but, you know, he's still a huge player. If Villa hadn't have come, would he have been paraded round as the, the poster boy of the of Melbourne City? And is he quite happy to just be the guy in the background that, Second fiddle. Yeah, that Villa takes all the attention? You know, I, I, I know nothing of him. I know nothing of his personality. He's never struck me as a player that... Looks for the limelight, mm. uh, but he he was always a player that really really impressed me. Mm. But having said that, I did think he was going to be too old uh, for the A League, and it just goes to show how how much he impressed me that uh, yeah. how how good a player he was still, mm. or how much he uh, how easy he found the A League that he was able to shine as well as he did at mm. the weekend. Uh, given what we've seen of him, I think he's going to be a big big star for City by the end of the season. And if, there's still going to be a lot of people that know know of him, and yeah. by the end of the season, I think they will know of him. Yeah, uh, but I think the same could also be true of Andy Q. To be honest, uh, I think he had an impressive stop like that. <laughs> the Irishman told me it was Q, <laughs> and I'm sticking with that until I hear it differently. Neil Sherwin. <laughs> but no, I think uh, he's going to. He's potentially going to. Uh, be a, a big, big star uh, for glory by the end of the season. He's good age as well. Good age to be coming out here. Well, that brings us nicely on to Perth, Brisbane. And uh, go on, Kev, let's start us off with a score prediction. Ooh, it's a long trip for Brisbane. Uh, still fancy them, though. Let's go 3-2. 3-2 for Brisbane. <laughs> three, two, lots Brisbane. of goals. <laughs> I like lots of goals, even if it's just in my head. Cronin? Uh, 3-1 Brisbane 3-1 Brisbane And Tim Which is off uh, I'll take a risk And say 1-0 Perth 1-0 Perth And I've gone 1-1 So that is All five games Previewed And predicted Let's see If How wrong We, we were on all of these I'd be happy If I get one right What do you reckon I just want to point out I am leading Most of my leagues In the fancy football <laughs> League fancy football <laughs> It is only round one, round but one. I will never be able to probably say that again for the rest of the season, so I'm making sure everybody knows about it now. 70th in the country, I'll have you know. It won't last long. <laughs> Kevin Ayers, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so, yes. Great. Well that, well, that concludes our first podcast of season 10 of the Hyundai A-League. Have we got a new bag out tomorrow? I don't. Do we? I think we do. I think we may have mentioned it before, but 
Let's, let's mention it again. Because it's very good, isn't it? It's a, it's a great issue. Today. It is out today. Oh, it is today, yeah. yeah which is thanks. the 16th yeah. of October. I'm only the editor, what would I know? Yeah. When it actually comes out. <laughs> Um, Kev, what, what's it got in it? It's got lots in it. It's got a great feature on Kevin Musket, which we've already talked about. It's got a great feature on uh, Jack Wilshire, on Angel de Maria, on Eden Hazard. And we've got a massive, massive feature that uh, identifies the top 50 power brokers in Australian football. We name and not necessarily shame them, but uh, identify them. Um, point out where they get the power from and who runs the game in this country. We also look at why your team will lose in the A-League this season and what the future of the A-League is. Les Murray gives us his insight into uh, a what where the A-League needs to improve in seasons to come in an extract from his new book. Uh, and there's something else in there as well. Oh yeah, the Wheels of Fortune. Mm. We uh, take... Nine seasons of A League results, stats, everything, and turn them into one cartwheel of fortune and history and stats and facts. We call it the fact wheel. Wheel of fortune. Yeah. Uh, so think on that. So yeah, rush out, buy it. It's great. It looks really good. In newsagents near you. Um, but I'll, I will just quickly mention the um, the power feature which is uh, it's, it's a fascinating read for um, people that are you know engrossed by the by the Australian game which which I'm sure everyone listening to this is um, it's really interesting to, to find a little bit behind the scenes and and how clubs the league um, you know the the finances and the uh, and, and how it all works behind the scenes because it's it's something that you, you don't see every day and um, and yeah you know it's a, a fascinating insight into um, Australian football. Um, so that's it folks um, I, I will leave you there thank you very much for listening tune in next week um, for episode 2 of 442FM I've been Adam Jackson brand manager Good night. Reaction to the A League, the Socceroos, and Australian football. This is 442 FM.